Claude and Deb are our prayer team leaders, and they do an amazing job. Good to see you. All right. Let's just give another clap for the choir. Amen. all lift our hearts to the Lord. Father, we just thank you so much for your presence today. We thank you for our Savior, Lord, and King Jesus. We pray that our hearts would be pliable today, that we'll receive your word and bring forth fruit in our lives and be a blessing to others. We pray for Pastor Brent and the word that he's about to speak. God, touch his heart and his mind and bless us all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, We're going to talk a little bit this day about being on a mission. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Joseph. Last week we talked about Mary, and this week we'll talk about uh, Joseph. I'm sorry, babe. We have another sign. Are we doing that later? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and last week we talked about Mary, and then this week we're going to talk about um, the mission that Jonah, uh, Joseph accomplished. Jonah, too. Actually, we get to him. Um, but Joseph accomplished uh, when he was called by God. Um, you know, around the Christmas season, you may find yourself, if you're like me, wanting to get everything done. Like trying to get all of the, all of the sort of little things, the details, you got you to get them all wrapped up. You got to make sure that the family thing is all situated. You got to get all the gifts going. You got to get, you know, you're sort of on a mission, right? Um, and I remember a couple years ago, there was... Uh, it was, I think it might've been like our first or second Christmas. I think it was our first Christmas with, uh, Jameson. We had just had Jameson and we went, we were making a big deal of getting the Christmas tree. Uh, we went down to Ted Drew's, we got some, uh, hot cider, you know, we got our Christmas tree. We put it up on the roof of, of the car and the car is one of these tall SUV type cars strapped it there. Phil and Rita were here. My in-laws were here. You know, I was trying to make a big impression on them. You know, just showing how well I take care of their daughter and their grandchildren and, you know, really, really doing it up. We get in the car. We come home. Rebecca and I get into a good conversation, really focused conversation. We pull up to the the house. Uh, We pull up to the garage. We pull into the garage. The garage is only about this, this much higher than the SUV. The tree was about this thick. I mean, we just jammed into the garage. And right then, the only thing I could think of was, I know my father-in-law sitting in the car behind me laughing so hard. Um, And I think what we ended up doing was just letting the pressure out of the tires. And that's how we lowered the car and backed it up. So, ingenuity. Um, But today we're going to talk about a different kind of mission. We're going to talk about Joseph uh, and about the mission that God uh, sent him on. And we're going to start with Matthew chapter 1 and 2. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. Now I want to stop right there because that is a, we're sort of used to this story, but that is a hugely dramatic way to open the story. This is how Jesus was born. His mother was, mar- was, was betrothed, which means that she was engaged, essentially. Betrothal in the, in the first century in, in Jerusalem was, was an engagement, but it was, a, it was basically a pre-marriage. You couldn't get out of a betrothal without divorcing the person. 
Um, it was essentially marriage without having consummated the marriage. Um, and so he was betrothed to her, but before they came together, in other words, before they consummated the marriage, she was found to be with child. That kind of would hit home for Joseph, right? Joseph is saying, huh, okay, what happened? And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph, young man, in love with this woman, they're engaged to be married, they're supposed to be completely committed to one another. He finds out that she's pregnant and he's not the, he's not the father. And so he says, look, I'm just going to do this quietly because under the, under the Deuteronomic law, he could have made a very big deal about this. This would have been considered adultery. She could have been taken out to the city gates and stoned. He said, I'm just going to very quietly, very gently walk away from this situation. I'm going to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. Just notice for a minute, if you will, that the angel calls Joseph to a mission. He says, don't put her away. Marry her. She will bear a son. And here's what you're going to do. You will call his name Jesus, which means God saves or Yahweh saves, for he will save his people. Um, I want to just put into context a little bit of this relationship, okay? We see these images at at Christmas time of Mary and Joseph. Mary looks, or Joseph generally looks like a 45-year-old man with a big beard and a a big turban, right? But, But almost all scholars, biblical scholars, would say that these folks, Mary and Joseph, were in their early mid-teens. They would have gotten married at 14, 15, or 16. Kobe, how old are you? 15. Come up here for a second. I want to I I use you for an example. Do we have any 14 or 15-year-old girls in the congregation? Come, come up here just for a second. Just as a visual, just as a visual, this is, this is the age of, the, of Mary and Joseph, roughly around this age. Would I trust you to raise my son, Kobe? <laughs> they were young kids. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. I, I won't make you do anything. But I just want to take the image, the Christmas image of the, you know, the, the, the mature adults out of your mind and say, these were kids. This, these were two kids from a little trailer park town of Nazareth who, who maybe liked each other when they were little kids. Uh, the way that marriage would have worked at that time is that a close family friend or a confidant would have arranged the marriage. He would have gone to Joseph's family, would have, would have uh, hired this person to arrange the marriage. Uh, they would have gone to Mary's family and they would have said, what do you think about marrying Joseph? And then they, if, if they said, okay, then they would go to Mary and then they would work out the contract. There would be a dowry. There would be, in, in the case of Joseph, 
He came from a poor family. We know, that, we know that both of them came from very poor families because we learn later that when they went to the temple to make sacrifices, they didn't have enough money to even buy a, a, a sheep to sacrifice. So there was a, um, a law that said if you're poor, then you can, you can sacrifice a turtle dove. And so they got the smallest little sacrifice and they made that. So this, this young couple... You know, not, not mature, not probably not literate. There weren't a lot of people that read at that time. Blue-collar workers. He came from a uh, tech, he was a tecton, he was a carpenter. Um, and they got together and he finds out that she's pregnant. And he says, uh, God speaks to him and says, I want you to stay with her. You're going you're gonna to call the son, you're going to call her son, Jesus. Um. I want to talk first just about accepting the mission. Uh, Joseph is called to this mission at a young age, right? We are, we are often, whether we know it or not, our lives, we are called to a mission in our lives. Every single one of us in here is called to a mission of some kind or another. There's a calling upon every single one of our lives, whether we know it or not, God has put us on this earth for a reason. We're not here accidentally. We're not here arbitrarily. We're here for a purpose and for a reason. Um, I want to just tell you just very briefly, when I first felt my, my sense of calling to come into the ministry, um, and my mom can attest to this, uh, so I, 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 um, I have to tell it the right way because she knows. Um, a lot of preachers will not let the facts get in the way of a good story, but if your mom's here... You got to say it the right way. Um, so, when I was about 18 years old, I was in just getting out of high school, and I was praying about what I should do with my life. And I, I won't go into all the details, but at the, about the age of 18, I knew absolutely, deep in my heart, that I was called to go into ministry. I knew it absolutely. The problem was I didn't want to do it. I didn't, I had, my dad was a pastor, his dad was a pastor, my mom's dad was a pastor, all my uncles were pastors, and so I said, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something different, like I'm coming out of that, I don't want to do that, right? And I remember very, very clearly and very distinctly saying, that's not going to be for me, even though I know that's what I feel called to do, even though I'm absolutely certain that that's where God is calling me, I'm, I'm not going to do it, um, I don't recommend you take that path because sometimes it's a long route back to where you're supposed to be. Um, the word vocation, one's vocation in the Latin means a call or a summons. It's the same word as vocal, right? The same, same root. We're all called to something. We're all called to something. For, uh, Victor Frankl uh, says that everyone has his own specific vocation or mission in life. Everyone must carry out a concrete assignment that demands fulfillment. Therein he cannot be replaced, nor can his life be repeated. Thus, everyone's task is unique as his specific opportunity to implement it. All of us are called to do something. The West, I put a quote in your bulletin. The Westminster Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You know, when I, when I finally became a Christian years later... And I came across that quote. It hit me like a ton of bricks that all I'm called to do is glorify God. Glorify God with my life. In whatever it is that I'm doing, 
whether it's working at a, a job that may or may not be my career, if I'm interacting with somebody, whatever I'm doing, God is calling me to glorify him, to bring glory to him in my actions, in my words, in my deeds. To glorify God is our calling in life. Uh, a couple of quick verses. First Corinthians, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Whether, therefore, you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. The scripture is saying here, whatever you do, whether it's something mundane, whether it's something that you deem important, whether it's something boring, whether it's something exciting, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Because every action that you take, every word you speak, everything that you think, it's all unto the Lord. Everything that we do is unto the Lord. Colossians 3, 23, 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you are in a position in life where you think that you're just sort of going through the motions, maybe you're not particularly interested in your job. Maybe you're not particularly interested in whatever it is that you're doing. But if you can convert your day-to-day life into a true sense of calling. If you can truly turn your life into a, call, into a calling, if you can see your life as a mission to glorify God, it will transform the way you interact with people, interact with your spouse, interact with your friends, your colleagues. And I think that that's at least in part what we're called to do. Maybe you're called to be an encouragement to your colleagues at work. Maybe you're called to be a, an example to your children. Maybe you're called to be a light to your spouse. Whatever it is, all of us are called. Amen? And God is saying, accept that mission. Joseph, I know you're a young guy. I know it doesn't make sense to you. It may surprise you what your mission is, but I want you to accept that mission because I've called you to do that. God will plant in your heart a sense of mission and a sense of calling when you open your life to him and when you start living your life as a calling to God. Amen? All right, moving forward in the story. Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. So first, Joseph was given this mission, right? You stay with Mary. You be the father. You name him Jesus. And he did that. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him again. And said, I I don't only want you to accept the mission. I want you to protect the mission. This this boy that that just was just born. Herod the Great 
is going to try to find him to destroy him. If you notice what the wise men said to Herod, and I love this. They said, we've come to find he that was born king of the Jews. You see, Herod had been named king of the Jews by the Roman council. But they wanted to find the guy who was born to be the king. They wanted to find the real king. And Herod knew that he wasn't the real king of the Jews. And so when Herod heard that the real king of the Jews was going to be born, he said, I got to go find this person and destroy him lest he usurp my throne. And, and God came to Joseph by night and said, I want you to protect the mission. Um, last week we saw the movie Lincoln. Has anybody seen that yet? It's a, it's, I, I don't normally recommend movies from the, <laughs> but it was, it's a very good movie. Um, and it reminded me of the struggle during the Civil War period uh, 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 for freedom from oppression, from the Herods of the day who were oppressing people and putting people in bondage and enslaving people. And there's a character that's not in the movie, but is, is a very important character of the time. His name was William Still. And William Still was a young man who was born and up in New Jersey. His parents uh, were both former slaves. His father had been freed and his mother had escaped. Uh, and he was raised up in New Jersey. And when he was about 27, he felt a call in his heart to go and help liberate and free other people who were in bondage. Men and women who had been enslaved. He felt called to start liberating them and freeing them. He moved down to Philadelphia. And he got a job initially just working a regular job as a janitor. And helping to go through the mail at an office there. And he started to interact with people. And he started to, to get into contact with people. And build relationships and build networks. And before you know it, he was reaching out. And he was helping to liberate people that were escaping from slavery in the South. Uh, they ended up calling him the father of the Underground Railroad. He, re- he helped to liberate appro- approximately 800 people who had been in slavery and in bondage. Um, one really gripping story about this guy is that at one point he was interviewing a, a, a man who had, who had come up from the South and he was uh, trying to, to, to be free. And he was interviewing him and he was talking and he was talking about his past and who's your mother and who's your father and started talking a little more and more and he discovered that the man he was talking to was Peter Still, his own brother, who had, been, who, had, who had been left behind in the South when his mother had escaped. I mean, it's just a, it's a heartbreaking story of a man sitting there and going, I think I know who your parents are because they're my parents too. Um, William Still said, It was my good fortune to lend a helping hand to weary travelers fr- flying from the land of bondage. Joseph takes the child and the mother by night and flees from the tyranny of Herod. I want to just give you a little bit of context of where he's at. Over here on this little red line, that's Bethlehem. Way down here at this bottom corner, that's Egypt. It's about 260 miles from Bethlehem to Egypt. And Mary, you know, a guy this age, uh, uh, Joseph and Mary, guys this age, with a donkey and a little newborn, 260 miles to Egypt. You want to talk about a lonely trip. You want to talk about a frightening trip. You want to talk about a harrowing adventure. These are two teenagers with no protection, didn't know anybody, didn't have any friends or family in that region, traveled 
260 miles to protect the mission that God had put him on. He had, he had been called to protect that mission. In life, you too will face moments where the thing that God has called you to will be jeopardized. The thing that God has called you to will be threatened. And God is calling all of us to be vigilant and to protect that mission to which he has called us. Amen? James 1, 2, 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let your steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We're, we're called to protect and nurture. You may be feeling today as I'm talking that you don't have a specific calling in life. You may feel like your life is just sort of going along and you're just riding along with it. Or you may feel like there's something in your heart that God has planted there and you're not quite sure what to do about it. Maybe you don't feel like you're up to the task. Maybe you don't feel that you're adequate to, to pull off what God has called you to do. And, and I want to just briefly go through just quick examples throughout the scripture of people that God used despite their inadequacies, despite their normalcy. When God called Moses to free, the, free the, the, the people from Egypt, Moses said, I can't do that because I'm slow of speech. I'm inarticulate. I can't go down and lead your people out. And God said, I've called you to do it. I want you to do it. When Jonah was called, I told you we would get to Jonah. When Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and preach repentance, he didn't want to go. When you read the story, Jonah said, the, the, the scripture says that he turned and he fled the opposite direction. When David was called to take out Goliath, he said, I'm a shepherd with a sling. How can I take out this giant? When Gideon was called to defeat the Midianites, he said, I've got 300 guys. They've got 10,000 men. How can I possibly do this? God calls people to, to go beyond what they think they can do. God is calling you to stretch you beyond what you think you're capable of. If you truly are living out the call and the mission of God in your life, it's going to stretch you. It's going to stretch you. It's going to challenge you. It's going to, it's, going to, to, it's going to make you wonder if you can actually pull it off and accomplishment, accomplish it. God is going to stretch you when he calls you to the mission. He wants you to protect it. He wants you to nurture it. And he wants you to pursue it. Amen? Roman, Romans eleven twenty nine. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. When he puts that call in your heart, when he puts it on your life, it's there. It's without repentance. It's irrevocable. It stays. Amen? But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So now they're in Egypt. Saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So that... What was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. God is calling you to accept the mission. He's calling you to protect the mission. He's calling you 
to complete the mission. Joseph took took his son all the way down to Egypt. Got him all the way down there, out out uh, out of Herod's domain. And then God said to Joseph, bring him back because he's got a mission to fulfill as well. He's got to come back to Nazareth so that it might be fulfilled what the prophet said about him. He's come to set the world free. And so God is calling all of us to complete the mission. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, he's asking you to push forward and break through until you complete it. Have you ever known or met someone who doesn't, who likes to start projects, but doesn't necessarily finish those projects? Anybody? Um, We had a, you know, we... We had a, a, a girl drive by our house. This is maybe a year ago. And um, we were standing out in the front yard. And we could tell she was just driving by and, and looking at the house and kind of checking it out. And we were standing outside. And so I said, hey, how's it going? She said, fine. She said, you know, I used to live in this house. I grew up in this house. And we said, oh, well, pull, on, pull over if you want to see your old house. Come on in, you know. And so she pulls over. She gets out of the car. And she comes in. She's looking around. She's like, oh, okay, okay. And she said, uh, you know, my dad, he, um, he really liked to start projects. And I didn't say it, but I thought, yeah, I know, because I'm the one having to finish all your dad's projects. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, are, there are people in life who get excited about that first step. Let's go do this, right? But then when the going gets tough, when the challenges arise, when the difficulties come up, you go, well you know what, maybe let's go do something else. You know what I mean? Joseph uh, Joseph was called to not just be there when this child was born, not help him escape from, from the oppressive hand of Herod, but to bring him back so that he could complete his mission on the earth. So God is calling all of us to complete the mission. My dad used to always say, son, finish strong. That, that was his theme, finish strong. And I, 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 I can't help but to share this quick anecdote. But there was a, when, when my dad planted a church in Phoenix, Arizona, um, we have a lot of memories, and, and my, my mom and my sister could share them with you. But, but the, it, was, it was a struggle. God, he felt, my dad felt that God had called him to plant a church in Phoenix, Arizona. But at the beginning, it was tough. I mean, there were just the five of us, Norval and Rosella Wildman, that makes seven, and that was it. Well, yeah, John and Francis too. They they think we were thankful that they came down too. But I mean, it was a it was a it was a tight little crowd. And I, I remember, for example, my dad would say, "Okay, um, folks, we're gonna have a little worship time." Lean down, turn on the boombox. Okay, let's all worship. And then you know it'd be like a little bit of music coming out of these two little speakers. Um, it was it was a tough time. But there was a moment where my dad would, well, I, I just remember that he would always, he would, get ready, he would get dressed as if he was going to the office. And he would walk upstairs where his office was. And he would sit down and he would get to work. I mean, but it, 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 in a way it was like, you're not even really going anywhere, dad. You're just going upstairs, you know. But he was, he was just like, this is it. We're going for this. And I'll never forget the story where he was up there and I think he was praying, Right. And he said, I wasn't there, but I heard about it later. But he's praying, you know, Lord, help us to get this, you know, everything going. Help me to do a good job. He said, Lord, just just help me to get this thing off the ground, Lord. 
and he hears my mom down in the kitchen say, you better get this thing off the ground, buddy. Uh, so <laughs> he said, I've never, I never remember my wife ever calling me buddy, ever. Uh, but, but he did. I mean, he kept pushing. He kept go- with all the difficulties until God reached out and just sort of poured out his spirit on that entire endeavor. And people started coming and life started changing and people's lives were transformed. It's a beautiful church down in Arizona today. But the point is you've got to finish, you've got to complete the task. You've got to keep pushing forward. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Whatever, it's, whatever it is that he started in you, whatever it is, the seed of whatever he's planted in your heart, he's going to let that grow and he's going to let that come to fruition in your life. If you will stick it out, if you will fight through the challenges and fight through the difficulties and, and lean on him, he will bring it to fruition. Um, and I'm going to end with this. So at 18, at the church, when I'm a kid, feeling absolutely unequivocally called to ministry, rejecting it in a very dramatic fashion, saying, I do not want to do this. I am not going to do this. I will not be roped into this. I will not be coerced. In, you know, not even by God. You can't, you can't make me do this, God. Um, and then years and years of, of doing other things, some good, some not good, uh, but always knowing Always knowing, deep down, this is what I'm called to do. At some point, I'm going to have to break. I'm going to have to succumb. I'm going to have to give it up, you know. But I fought hard. <laughs> I fought hard. But I, I want to say that I am so grateful today that, you know, five years ago, God really cracked open my heart and allowed me to really just surrender to him. Really surrender to him and say, okay, God, I am done doing it my way. I've tried it. It's been tough, and I'm ready to give myself over to you. And, I, and, and, and when I did that, it was as if the calling was just as fresh and just as new as it was the day that I received it. God will not let you go. Once he starts to call you, he will not let you go. And so God is calling each and every one of us today. Move forward in him. Move forward in him. Let him grow you. Let him develop you. Let him strengthen you. Let him, let him empower you. And you, you too will be able to fulfill and accomplish your mission. And I'm going to just end with this. You know, Jesus, we're talking about the birth of Jesus, but I just don't think that you can talk about the birth of Jesus unless you talk about the mission that he accomplished. He grew up. He taught. He performed miracles. But what his ultimate act in life was, was that he gave his life for you and me. He sacrificed his life so that you and I might have life more abundantly. That you and I could have liberty, freedom from bondage, freedom from slavery, freedom from the oppression of sin. He came to liberate you and he came to liberate me. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate his birth, but we celebrate his birth because of his death. We celebrate his birth because of his death and ultimately his resurrection. Amen? So this Christmas, as we move through this season, just remember that God is calling you. He's working on you. 
He's seeking you. He's, he's not let you go. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose that he's planted in your heart, and he wants to see it fulfilled in you. Amen? And I say thank God that he completed his mission. Let's pray.